Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... Oh, hi, everybody. Hello. <laughs> How's it going? Thank you for having us. Totally. Um, I'm so excited for this. I'm so excited for this. And John <laughs> Sellers like, connected us, of all people. Um, what John, a guy, right? I love him. John used to be, we met ages, and probably when I first, just about when I first started the podcast, and when he was doing the PW Kids cast, and he's not anymore. I don't, is he, what is he doing? He's at Penguin now or something? He's doing he said, something. He's at Houghton. He's our publicist at Houghton. He is a publicist. Got it. Yeah. He's the head of publicity there. And man, he's the sweetest guy. I met him a couple of weeks ago and I love him. I like him a lot. I mean, that was years ago, but it, he's he's left that much of an impression on me. And we yeah. always sort of just caught up over, I don't know, social media here and there. But he's really nice. So whenever when he appeared in my inbox, I just knew right away, like, oh, I should listen to whatever he's saying. Remember the X-Files? The protagonist of today's story is Agent scully as a cat at least that's the way the author says it how's that for an introduction this is the children's book podcast episode number 462 i'm your host matthew winner today i'm joined by calista brill and kennard pack calista and kennard have a new book together it's called cat wishes it's about a cat who catches a snake but spares its life when the snake says it'll grant the cat three wishes Actually, the cat is quite indignant toward the snake's offer, even when the cat's wishes appear to be coming true. At the heart of it, the book's core holds a bit of magic right there, waiting for the reader to find it. It is magic, I confess, that absolutely dismantled me. I hope you too have a chance to read this book. Thank you to our sponsors, Gallery Nucleus and Storyteller Academy, for helping make today's episode possible. And now, please welcome my guests, Calista Brill and Kennard Pack, the author and illustrator of Cat Wishes. Welcome to the podcast, Calista and Kennard. I'm glad that you both could join me today. Hi. Hey, how's it going? Thanks it's for having us. Great. Yay! Two people together, two awesomeness. Um, okay, so there's going to be folks that don't know who you are yet, or that don't at least recognize your voices, so why don't I have you in turn introduce yourselves. Callista, would you mind introducing who you are and what you do? Sure, absolutely. Uh, my name is Callista Brill. I am a children's book author, the editorial director of First Second Books, which is a graphic novel publisher. And I am recently the author of a picture book called Cat Wishes, which was illustrated by the excellent Ken Pack. Ooh, excellent. I like that. Um, <laughs> Ken, you are excellent. Do you have any nice words to say about Calista before you introduce yourself? 
Alyssa is a wonderful, fantastic person. <laughs> I had an opportunity to meet her just recently in New York. Oh, it's cool. such an honor to to work with such a wonderful writer. It was Aww. a pleasure to work on this 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 funny little odd book. Um, so good, such a funny little odd book. Well, I'm so glad to hear it described that way. No doubt. Yeah. So yes. so who are you, and how would we know you, Ken? Oh, I'm Kennard Pack. I'm a picture book uh, illustrator, and I, I write once in a while, too. Uh, I've been doing this for maybe five years. Uh, I have one foot in animation. Uh, that's uh, much of my background, but I made the leap into to children's books um, um, just more recently, and uh, it's a wonderful field because I get to work with wonderful people like Kalissa. Oh, that's yeah. great to know that that you keep meeting people and that it keeps being wonderful. And then I think that from the reader side, from the librarian side, we get to see that there's there's a little bit of of harmony that comes out when you read a book that just feels like you both got it. You know, Callista gives so much space in Cat Wishes that I can just see you sort of pick up the baton and go with it. Um, and it, it's just it's nice. There's so many things. Whenever I, for me, I guess clearly just to out myself, there are. I can tell when I really love a book because I ended up associating it with like the two other names in like <laughs> media, in film, in whatever that I really adore, which is uh, Wes Anderson and Hiyo Miyazaki. And so I read this <laughs> wow. book and I get these like Miyazaki feels, that quiet story. I'm like, do you know what I mean? So like I find myself going like, oh, Lord, I'm going to that reference again. I must just have that sort of connection. But in this case, um, this this book does feel uh, like it's got a Miyazaki sensibility about it. And I mean that with, with high compliment, with high praise. Uh, it just has the right amount of quiet and the right amount of questioning that just is sort of like, isn't, don't you all agree that this is peculiar? Don't you reader also agree this is peculiar? Um, that, that feels just uh, sincere. And I like that. That is so nice to hear. Thank you. Well, you know, before I go further into saying, good Lord, even more nice things, because I I feel like at this point, um, my daughter and I both could probably recite the book back to you, because there's just <laughs> a lot of these wonderful moments that we've enjoyed it together that way. The sing-song quality of the of the text is really wonderful. But uh, Callista, would you mind introducing the book to people that, that uh, haven't seen this book yet or haven't read it yet? Absolutely. Um, so Cat Wishes is a picture book about, uh, it's basically a fairy tale, uh, and it's about a uh, lonely, hungry cat who is sort of world-weary and imagines that he is cynical, but but probably isn't. Um, and he catches a snake who turns out to be a magic snake and promises him three wishes if he will let the snake go. And Cat is very skeptical, but sort of against his... Um, better impulses allows the snake to go and then uh asks for a series of wishes which all come true but cat remains sort of unconvinced like he kind of clings to his skepticism right until the very end when the last thing that he asks for is a friend and he is uh sort of immediately introduced to a little girl who it turns out also met a snake and also got three wishes and also asked for a friend beautifully done do you mind if i read to you would that be okay? I would love that. I would love. Your summary was, was so good at capturing the essence of it. And I want to make sure that your words, that those cadences come out as well. So I'll read the first couple of pages if you don't mind. Um, and I'll start here. 
Once in the windy wood, there was a hungry cat. A mouse, a mole, a bat, cat said. I wish I had something to eat. Crunch, coil, pounce. Cat caught a wiggly snake. Spare my life, the snake told cat. I'll grant you what you wish. No such thing as a wish, cat said. His whiskers danced. Sure of that, are you? said snake. Cat flicked his ears. Maybe I'm not so hungry after all. He lifted his paw. Three wishes for you, said snake. He wiggled off through the grass. Goodness, where do I stop? Maybe I'll stop right here on this next page. (laughs) (laughs) May I just read the whole book to you? No. Uh, Here we are. It continues. No such thing as a wish, Cat said. His belly growled. But if there were, I'd wish for a fish. And on the next page, we start to see that there was some magic to this to this snake. And, uh, you know, I got to say that I think what, what, what was that, that quality to me that really kept drawing me in closer and closer to this cat and to this story, Calista, was, was the cat just as you said, just unconvinced, just determined to be skeptical to, to this isn't true. This is all just, uh, you know, r- random happening. It was just coincidental. Uh, the insistence on coincidence when really there might, there might actually be some magic to it. I like that. Do, for you, was this, was this cat when, however you met cat was, was cat always this personality? Probably, you know, it's it's funny because my memories. I was I was trying to sort of think about what it was like writing this book, um, and I I recently had a new baby, and as a result, my brain doesn't really work very well. And one of the things that doesn't work very well is my memory. <laughs> so I was like, what? How did I even write this? When did I write this? And now I'm sort of drawing a blank. Uh, but I will say, um. I think that was one of the first things that sort of became evident when I sat down to write this story was that, uh, cat was a kind of a, um, you know, a sort of a tough character or imagined himself to be one. And, you know, a a skeptic, um, you were talking about how, uh, there's sort of, you know, beloved references that, that come up again and again with things that you really love. And you can kind of tell you love something when you're start thinking, oh, this is just like X, Y, Z. Yes. Um, and for me, that thing is the X-Files. Um, <laughs> and so maybe there's a little bit of Agent Scully in that. I, I would have say. never guessed. That's great. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> but there you go with us all putting ourselves onto books, right? Mm-hmm. Of us all putting ourselves onto those characters. Well, it it I can tell that this was... I can assume, I can guess that this was a book that, uh, with a manuscript that you really wrestled with. And I guess that because to me, it just comes off so effortless. It just comes off like, like a brushstroke across the page to, to, uh, you know, to just be picturing (laughs) my daughter at play painting. Just, it just feels like there were just brush, brush, brush. And then there was the story. And I know that, uh, anything, that, that comes across that deceptively simple um, takes an awful lot of craft. So kudos to you for that. And I'm well, uh, thank you. Well, I'm also wondering because, you know, you, you work in publishing. Um, I, I wonder where storytelling came into the picture for you. And Ken, I'd love to hear from you as well with this, but, but mm-hmm. to come at it from these different, you're in animation, Ken, and Calista, you're in publishing, but has storytelling always been, a part of it and 
you know, which sort of chicken and egg, I suppose, which which came first for you, working in publishing, working in animation, or storytelling? Uh, I guess I'll go first. Sure. sure. Um, I come from a background where there's a lot of structure and um, tropes. Maybe that's too heavy-handed of a word. Things that are used over and over again, like a hammer or a screwdriver, really good things. Uh, what brought me to picture books and working with Cat Wishes, books like Cat Wishes, is that it's free from things that I was maybe um, growing a little too used to. Uh, what I love about Cat Wishes and many of the manuscripts I work with is the sense of space and um, where time slows down a little bit. Uh, to answer your question, Matthew, that storytelling uh, that I, I brought with me from animation is, is there, but I, I, a lot of what I do with picture books is maybe not necessarily reaction or, or an antithesis, to to my, uh, my 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 career is in animation, but it's more like a release. I wanted to try something different. Yes, and, and that's what I love about uh, Cat Wishes is that time has slowed down. Cat is in this space where where um, you know to this day I, I see Cat as a boy, but I know sometimes Cat can be a girl. I don't think it really matters, but Cat is in this space where where a uh, he or she could, uh, I don't know, get lost? I think that's a good way of putting it, to, 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 to get the story across. I love that, and I, I, I relate so hard to that, um, because for me, writing picture books is also a way of sort of breaking out of expected territory. You know, like, I feel like as an editor, a big part of my role is taking people's idiosyncratic visions and helping them tailor them so that they're sort of um, accessible to the widest possible audience. And then when I take that hat off and I, I work as an author, I'm the one who's, you know, bringing an idiosyncratic vision. Uh, and I'm the one who's sort of gently pushing back against an editor who, I, I'm making it sound as though there was an adversarial <laughs> editorial relationship here. There actually wasn't. I think the manuscript stayed pretty much exactly as it is. But in general, um, you know, it's it's fun to wear the other hat, right? And to be sort of the voice of weirdness uh, in that relationship. Do you find... Yeah, it's that... Oh, go ahead, please. Oh, sorry. It's that push and pull I think I, I like so far in picture books and I, I see it everywhere is um, this uh, on one hand you want to do these really interesting stories but then on the other hand you want to communicate especially to the kids to mm -hmm. whoever's reading it uh, but I never heard it from that point of view where you're your own editor in many because you were essentially like editing your, as being an editor Calissa yeah. you had to kind of uh, be your own uh, argument <laughs> right. Yeah. See that that sort of fascinates me as well. I wonder how much you're able to turn that off so as not to edit yourself out of a story, so as not to I mean I feel like any of these jobs where you have such great exposure to to work, to story, to uh be editing so many books that are going to publication um as you know perhaps as similar as it is to how many books i read 
and read and read aloud all the time and see children's reactions too, I feel like there's there's a there's a chance there for for it to get in your head. There's mm-hmm. there's certainly uh, you, you're almost it's almost required that you have to be able to turn off a part of your brain, isn't it, to be able to to move forward? But do you? I mean. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to, I'm, I'm trying to work out what I'm even trying to ask. No, um, I completely understand. I mean, that's often how I do my art. Yeah. I have to turn myself off. And that's often the best place for me to be. Yeah. Uh, the wandering, uh, the exploration. Uh, Callista, were you in that kind of place when you wrote this? You know, I was. And it's funny because um, I think I have almost the opposite problem which is when left to my own devices i'm prone to come up coming up with stuff that is sort of so eccentric or um inaccessible (laughs) (laughs) that nobody would want to read it except for me um and so being an editor has actually been really valuable for me in that respect because it's kind of um it's given me the tools to sort of think about my readers in a sort of more um welcoming way than I think I would if, if I were just sort of operating on my own and if I didn't have this other role that I I have. I like that. I can't help but wonder what you have then. Oh, there's some really weird stuff. Can we yeah. make it a story yeah. collection of weirdness? <laughs> I, I would love to. Uh, no, I think some of this too, as, I, as I'm realizing as I'm asking the question, is probably me putting putting on some of this onto myself, putting my own, putting myself onto this uh, question, knowing that I, it took me a long time. And I think I'm, it's, it's a skill I'm still learning as a writer to, to write and not care, not care what other people think. It's, it's something that is, is hard to do and hard to acknowledge that here I am right. like trying to edit away instead of just saying, stop caring about what other people are going to think and express, allow yourself to express the weirdness, as, as Callista put it, express that weirdness in you because, you know, then then this beautiful thing can present itself that you might not have realized was there. Yeah. And at the same time, like Callista had mentioned, if when we do let ourselves go, sometimes it could be complete nonsense and that's great. Uh, but at one point we do, we will lose everybody. <laughs> and you, and you are in your own head. Which, well, for many of us, I think we, we we like being in that place. I think I know so many creative people that like being in the place. And honestly, there's there's some people that actually get away with it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah they, they make a living off of being in their own little world. Uh, uh, and some of us, uh, we, we need an editor or be our own editors like Callista. And, um, but I think the point is that, you know, that story a story comes across some kind of communication happens. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, and I was, uh, I haven't let go yet. Ken, about how you were talking about cat and how you see him and how you see him, uh, existing in this world. And it struck mm-hmm. me on the, the many times that I've read this, that I don't, I don't think there are two images of cat in this story with the same expression on his face. And I think that yeah. perhaps is what was so maybe truthful about your art. It didn't feel like you were lying to us. And I think that's probably the 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 goal of, of storytellers, both in visual medium and in words, mm-hmm. is that we, we want 
readers to believe, right? And so we want Callista so effectively has us sort of in a in a skeptical way believing though that maybe this snake really was magic. And maybe then the way you allow all of those contorted emotions to reflect on Kat's face, the one that's just so desperate and beautiful that I love, um, that I just randomly flipped to as you were talking was um, as the as the line speaks. Um, he Cat has had his fish, um, and I, I should say whenever he, he has this wish, he often <laughs> responds back, "No such thing as a wish," <laughs> Kat said, <laughs> which is the most hilarious thing. But it says um, on this particular page that that I, I love the expression. It says, "But the breezy air turned cold and damp." And rain began to yeah. fell, began to fall, and you've got, you've got so much white space that you've allowed there, with just the cat peeking out from the grass below, and and just these black dots of eyes looking straight out, and quite frankly, what feels desperate, what feels uh, questioning. Poor cat. Yeah. Right. And now, a brief word from our sponsors. The Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Gallery Nucleus, an art gallery and bookstore where you can find prints, books, and other gifts from some of your favorite children's book illustrators, like John Clausen, Christian Robinson, and more. Gallery Nucleus is offering listeners 15% off your next purchase by entering in the promo code WONDER18. Visit gallerynucleus.com to discover more or click on the Gallery Nucleus banner at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast. When I first got the manuscript, I I thought white space. And uh, Callista, uh, Matthew, originally, uh, the I intended the art to be um, a lot denser. Uh, I, I, I remember thinking uh, hard shapes against white. The white stayed, but the the harder shapes went away. Uh, and then the color blobs happened, which I'll get to you in a bit. Oh, that yes. happened by ac- that happened by accident, um, which uh, I always <laughs> look for. But I knew from the beginning that I wanted um, uh, facial expressions because uh, of the cat. Uh, this cat is based on um, uh, the design of cat in cat wishes is based on uh, my cat. Uh, she's moved on and her name was Charlie Parker and Charlie Parker <laughs> did. She didn't make that many facial expressions. Uh, and uh, well, I guess you, you only can get so much from a cat now that I think about it, <laughs> but there, there, you know, there is, there is an expressive quality, especially with pet owners that they, they will get from their pets just because you know them, and um, so I, 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 when I sat down to, to, to draw our cat, our, 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 our hero, um, or our anti-hero, um, I, I really wanted to get these uh, expressions across there, and there were expressions that I imagined my own cat would make. So <laughs> these expressions came from me fantasizing about what how my cat would react to whatever nonsense. Uh, I'd give her, give her. So and 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 I love that that carried over, in, into into our book. Um, and I love that so much. <laughs> <laughs> Just cats can only. I love the way you put it. Too. Cats don't really make expressions. 
But no, I really they, they want don't. to see. <laughs> no, but that I mean, earnestness of... I mean, they do. I mean, all pet owners will find... A, a, a of course they will. And but, I, it, it harkens to me that feeling of like they probably just are and we're not catching it. Or they're expressing it in ways that that we put onto them. I think it's, I don't know. I thought it was quite beautiful, actually, <laughs> what you said. <laughs> yeah, so so the spirit of um, uh, of my, my kitty moved on to this book. And it wasn't intentional. It was something that, and that's what I love about um, Cat Wishes is um, each book I work on is different. It's a different experience. Uh Sometimes there are these intense, drawn-out um, battles. Uh, uh, sometimes they're they're straight to the point. Uh, and others, like Cat Wishes, is this dreamy, uh, slow emergence. Uh, the things things happened. Uh, uh, maybe it was because of my, my point in not my point in that life. Things were there, there wasn't much happening, so um, um, I, I let uh, I let. The plant grow. Uh, that that's probably <laughs> the best analogy I have with this book. Uh, going back to the color blobs, there there were literally um, paint splashes I, I had I think on a piece of art I sent to to Cato Sullivan, the uh, the editor of our book, and uh, she loved it. And I think at one point it went to you, Callista, and um, and you suggested making um because you you you're, you love comics and you, you're very much part of that world and you suggested uh, integrating those bubbles uh we call them wish blobs wish at that blobs. time and, yeah and, and to <laughs> that's make, a technical and to... term <laughs> <laughs> everyone in the industry knows the technical term of wish blobs <laughs> it was fantastic it was it was wonderful and it's these little um serendipitous moments that i that i i look for or wait for um they, they they come out of the water, right? He goes swimming, and sometimes a turtle comes to you. Sometimes there's no turtle. Um, sometimes it's a plastic bottle. I'll take it. But the mm-hmm. point is, the point is that um, uh, in the many different roads this book could have taken, it, it, we found this um, one particular avenue uh, with these um, water splashes, these watercolor splashes, and 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 I exploited that. I I, I really toned down the colors. Of, of cat and his world um, saved it to the very end and when uh, story moments happened uh, there were the wishes or the the cynical takes cat uh, expresses I, I I used the the color blobs it, 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 it worked out beautifully it, it fantastic. Really did. it did <laughs> and it brought just enough of of sort of this ephemeral quality to to what feels like a book grounded in reality. Everything else looks quite realistic. The depiction of the of the trees, of the woods, of the cat. So to have that and and have it be washed out enough to just feel like it just sort of is hovering above the cat is a nice effect. Thank you. I um also love that and this is something I know of your art, but the way that Again, I'm probably putting way too much onto this, but the way that uh, even like when the house is depicted in one of your wish blobs, if I will, um, the way that the house is sort of misshapen, it's sort of contorted, it's sort of being, you know, bent around that bubble as a as a 3D object, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. That that sort of flowing quality. Um, I don't know. There's just qualities of, of that that I know are it, it's it's what is your style it's what's your voice can as an artist but it's something that that 
I think I, I love the voice that you have as an artist. I love even if I can go back to like nerding out over your art when Cat walks into the house, uh, mm-hmm. finding a house in the rain, walks into this house. I love that for me, going from the image of of Cat dreaming of this house where the house is kind of a little bendy, not straight up. Um, not like 90 degree angles into this house where you have light pouring into a dark room, making all of these sort of uh, lines and angles that uh, sort of are jutting into each other. It, mm-hmm. to me, created an effect of, of almost mirroring that contortion that was going on in that dreamy illustration. I found that something really appealing. Uh, just that it, it, as you, to bring back in earlier in the conversation, it was just another component of this story that slowed me down that caused me to look a little closer and really to take my time and look around the room whereas I might have just followed the text and moved on otherwise um so that intention that you put in there um that 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 thought that you put into the illustration I thought um really worked beautifully hand in hand with Calista's yeah. words to carry us yeah I think I think um a, a lot of uh the art in the book is a reflection of a, well, maybe not reflection. It's it's a it's a dance with Callista's uh, writing. Um, dance, yeah. Yeah, uh, it, there's kind of like this syncopation I was trying to achieve. I'm not exactly sure I got what I wanted. Again, yeah. I, I a lot of these things happen by accident for me. Um, but there's this pacing I really. Uh, responded to Calista in, in, in the writing, and, and I, I adore it. I love it. <laughs> and um, uh, it, in the in the uh, well, in the movie business, what they what they call the third act, I I I it, it speeds up a little bit um, because Cat's scared and Cat gets excited, and um, uh, uh, Cat is close to um, something momentous or drastic happening so I, I introduced those lines you're talking about because the book starts with these hazy images uh these mm. these soft um bleeds um and uh by the time cat gets to the house i i it is something really simple i i introduced more lines those 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 uh, angles that you had mentioned just as a contrast to uh the uh the uh the the, the soft a fuzzy forest that that cat cats introduced in, and um, it, it worked out nice. I, I, I again, it surprised me too. It was just like this kind of thought in the back of my head. Maybe it might be nice to have lines since like the, the writing speeding up here. It, it's that though that quality. And Calista, I want to come back to you too because you have these refrains that that you know repeat in the text. But it's calling out things as an educator. I'm, when I think about what this looks like to bring a book in front of a child. Um, or why a book works or why it speaks to us. Sometimes it's fun to come back to the book with kids and notice things like that. Why did this speak to you? What was the art that spoke to you? Or what was the, I noticed that you started repeating this line with me. Um, to have, to have that in, I don't, it's, it's really cool to hear you share it and to just know that, that it's there as part of the tool of communicating the story. Christy, yeah. you're, you're, can I, can I just, I want to, I have a lot of things I want to ask you. First, I hear an animal in the background. <laughs> I've been dying to ask you, Calista, if you actually are like a cat person or a dog person or just indifferent. Uh, oh, or... I am a hundred percent a cat person. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I'm Wonderful. sure this will not come as a surprise to anybody. <laughs> 
Love it. Perfect. Perfect. Also, um, you mentioned that this text didn't really get changed a whole lot when it went to the editor. Um, the, but for all the um, changes that you went through with it, all the drafts that you went through with it, do mm. you, do you know if that line, can you recall through mommy baby brain, if the line, <laughs> no such thing as a wish is something that, that was there from the start or that, that you remember trying to emphasize more. Again, I I can speak in part as a writer, knowing that there are times when I hit a turn of phrase where I'm like, I really want to come back to that a lot because it just feels good to say it again. But I wonder from your writing perspective, what, what moments like that felt like, like in this book to you. I mean, that was there from the start. You know, what I wanted with this book was to write a fairy tale. um, And, so there was two things sort of informing that, you know, I I wanted to write a fairy tale and fairy tales generally rely on repetition and iteration. And that's one of the things that I find so sort of satisfying and addictive about them. Um, But also with picture books, you know, writing a picture book is such a weird activity. I mean, it's a very strange thing to do to write a picture book. It's called a picture book. You know, it's it's mostly about the pictures. And here you are having the sort of gall to sit down and and only do the words as though that's at all useful to anybody, right? That's um, hilarious. <laughs> so it's it's a kind of a humbling experience. You you feel like a, a while you're doing it. Um, and you hope that, you know, the world will like let you get away with it. Um, and one of the ways that I sort of compensate for that anxiety, um, when I'm trying to write picture books is, is I try to, I sort of try to indulge my, um, uh, my taste for sort of poetic language and poetic repetition, because I, I kind of feel like I ought to be bringing something to the table besides a story, you know, that, that I ought to be kind of contributing some kind of texture or aesthetic. Um, and, and in fact, sometimes I think this is a tendency that I really ought to rein in because I think it can make me sort of florid as a writer. Um, but that's definitely the impulse that that refrain was born from, you know, on the one hand, sort of wanting to honor, uh, the, the kind of aesthetic of picture of, of fairy tales rather, um, and having sort of some nice kind of repetitions and recurring, you know, notions throughout, but also, you know, wanting to have something to contribute that wasn't just like, there was a cat and he did this stuff. <laughs> Can you please write that as the sequel? I, <laughs> and just, that now that we've got Ken on board, I've heard that Ken's on board. Just, <laughs> let's just, there was a cat. Okay, he did stuff. <laughs> there might have also been a child. <laughs> <laughs> right. We, we're not sure one way or the other things happened. <laughs> Um, but it's funny that you ask about that refrain because, um, actually this is like a little bit of a, um, like DVD commentary, uh, whatever kind of inside, um, insight. But originally in the book, uh, the last page, you know, so cat, cat gets his house, then he's scared because it's nighttime and it's very dark. He wishes for a friend. Uh, this little girl appears and explains that she has had sort of a parallel experience where she also met the snake and she also asked for a bunch of stuff. And her final request was also for a friend. And, you know, you realize that the two of them are are sort of each other's destined wish friends. 
Um, and the last page is Kat climbs into her lap. Um, and the original draft, which we actually had very, very far until the sort of final development of the book, um, he the book ended with him still saying there's no such thing as a wish. And that was the last line. Uh, And kind of at the 11th hour, Kate, um, our editor and I decided to, to kill that line um, because it, I I felt like it, it was sort of funny that cat sort of stubbornly clung to his skepticism, even in this sort of like last undeniable piece of evidence that he really was getting his wishes. Um, but it also, I don't know, like it, it felt a little bit sour to me, you know, like, yeah, like it just didn't, I, I like having him sort of finally acknowledge, even if he's just acknowledging by his silence that magic is really happening and that, that he really gets to keep this, that it's, it's really his. Would you mind if I read the, the closing for people that, can I read the closing to you? Sure. Because you... I, I really love that in this clo- in the way that it, it ends that that the that the girl says her once but doesn't say her 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 doesn't necessarily say like I wished for this and then this happened. It's just mm-hmm. I wanted this thing, I wanted that. It reads um where should I pick it up from? Hello, a very small girl stood at the door. A wiggly snake in the windy woods granted me three wishes, the small girl said. First, I was hungry. Cat saw her picnic basket. And then it was raining. Cat saw her red raincoat. And then I was lonely. Cat climbed into her arms. On the closing page, her eyes are closed. His eyes are closed. He's in her lap. And there's just a purr going out with those those wish blobs above their head and it's it's mm. it's slow right like that to, i'm going to keep coming back to that word it slows it down it lets it be ours it lets us <laughs> live with that yeah. with that purr and now a brief word from our sponsors the children's book podcast is sponsored by longtime supporter storyteller academy Learn the art of storytelling from published authors, illustrators, and editors at Storyteller Academy. Listeners of the Children's Book Podcast are invited to a free mini-class. Enroll today at StorytellerAcademy.com slash wonder, or click on the Storyteller Academy banner at MatthewCWinner.com slash podcast. I'm glad that that you sort of felt on your heart to to change the way the moment would 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 be held by the reader at the end there Callista. Yeah, me too. I think it would be a very different book if we'd left it the way it was originally. I, I'm trying to imagine how I would have drawn that if you if you and Kate had decided to to leave that uh that last phrase. That is really interesting. You know, you you end the entire book. the 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 last sort of piece of art that we see is is on the acknowledgments page on the back on the verso. There's a it look what looks to be a child's drawing of 
of a oh. cat and the girl <laughs> together, right? Which I love that. To me, also speaks to like we know that they stay together. It's something important mm-hmm. for a child to express their love for someone else by including them in a drawing. I remember um, when when I've been included in drawings by my students. That that's something that that means a really important thing. Was that mm-hmm. which one of you? was sort of the genesis of this little piece of art at the end oh that was all ken yeah everything that's really great in this book is ken stop it a lot of this wouldn't have happened without your writing calissa eh. <laughs> <laughs> the, the children's drawing it's it's kind of it's kind of uh it's kind of a i guess an easter egg and and the um when you first see uh speaking of cats hold on a second is that what i hear <laughs> yeah, I'm busy. Go, go over there. Okay, thanks. Um, um, Does that yeah, work? This one, yeah, this one likes to jump up once in a while. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, in when Cat first enters uh, the cabin, you'll you'll see little drawings. It, it's kind of like a little uh, foreshadowing, or maybe I'm trying to think of the right word. Just just like a little precursor indication uh, of that the little girl. Um, has been there before and maybe has longed for a cat um, and that very last image uh, at the end is um, uh, continues uh, that little bit of information that uh, that we left there um, I'll say this right now that was the hardest thing to draw the <laughs> the, oh the child's drawings, yeah, the child's drawings. <laughs> I forget that the reason they're called children's drawings because adults don't can't draw like that we're, we're we have too much baggage we yeah we're, we're not as honest as when children draw we we've seen kids draw they it's not as much as they don't care it's just completely intuitive this is what i do and that's a tree yeah and that's that's dad it's that's truth mom. for them isn't it yeah this is yeah. truly what you look like to me this is truly what a tree or a cat yeah, or whatever looks it, like to me yeah yeah it, it, there, it there's it's it's um it's completely um, intuitive. Uh, there's no perspective. There's no history of, of uh, modernism with a capital M, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I went through cycles. I think it took months for me to get these drawings. And I took uh, the advice of my friend um, to draw with my left hand. Oh, <laughs> that, that's a great idea. Yeah, that that's it, it, it's funny that it took me took me eight weeks to get to that point uh, <laughs> to, to draw with my left hand. <laughs> that was really hard. That was really hard. So, I love that drawing. I love that drawing, and I'm happy we. we uh, I think that I think that that was a last minute um, decision too to put that drawing there. That's cool. It works. Ken, can I ask you something about that cabin? Sure. This is cool because I've been meaning to ask you this like for a, a year now. Um, so I finally got a chance. So when you sent in, I guess it was like the, the dummy or the sketches or whatever, um, you know, some sort of early version of the art, Kate shared it with me. And when the cabin is introduced, you had left a note saying, you know, I'm going to rework this, um, as a sort of more conventional looking cabin, uh, for people who haven't read the book or, or don't remember the cabin is like this incredibly beautiful minimalist mid-century modernist a-frame and it's such a specific design it's very very not generic um 
And I fell in love with it immediately. And I, I gave, I asked Kate to, to ask if we could please, please keep it as is. Cause I was like kind of immediately obsessed with this. Um, but I love it so much. And I was just wondering, uh, where that came from that design, because it's such one of the things that I love about it is it really feels like a specific place. It doesn't feel like a kind of a generic fairy tale cabin in the woods. It feels like somebody's house. I was making fun of um, uh, my friends uh, that <laughs> were obsessed with A-frames. So I, I drew this A-frame and then I, I, sh I showed it to them. Look, here's your, here's your stupid A-frame house. But... <laughs> But so so um, I I did a drawing and I thought hey um, I, maybe just for kicks I'll I'll uh, maybe I ran out of time I'm not exactly sure what happened, but um, I did a book cover for Patricia McLaughlin I think a year or two before I did Cat Wishes and, I, and it was a traditional um, cabin in the woods and I, and uh, when I got this manuscript I told myself I I, I don't want to do that I want to do something else. Mm. So when I drew those A-frames and I popped um, one of them into the book, I, I put it more, I put it in there more for fun because some, you know at the dummy phase, a, a lot of things can happen, and and I do whatever I can to uh, keep my focus, especially when it's three o'clock in the morning. I'll, I'll do whatever I can to to just keep my make sure my mind is there. Yeah. Uh, so uh, again, it what it it wasn't as much as uh, I. I didn't want the a cabin there i just i just wanted to make sure that uh everything was open mm -hmm. and uh, that i was uh, available to to i guess at the time i just wasn't thinking that much about the cabin but i'm so happy because i wasn't sure what your tastes were because i'm always <laughs> thinking about um how my art not only works with the script i just want to make sure my art doesn't piss off the author <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I, I when when you got back when you got back uh, with um, and Kate made a specific that you really liked that A frame cabin I was I, I was it. so happy you know, <laughs> I was just I was something different that's awesome yeah you know, not do your typical law cabin which is fine too but I love I, it and I love it also that it, it started life as a joke that makes me so happy <laughs> it did I think I, it was like I feel like that's of, like another amazing Easter egg right. One, yeah, you it took it, you eight. The piece that took you the longest in this book was the left-handed kids drawing. Oh my god! That's and then yeah. <laughs> two, like <laughs> the log cabin, I was making fun of my friends. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was like a thing a couple years ago. Oh it's yeah. Like, yeah, just A-frame cabins. I, it was. I think it came from England. Uh, it, it, it kept reappearing in a lot of British comics. I don't <laughs> see it as much though. So. It's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Wait, you tell me. Okay, I'm gonna pester you after this podcast because i want to know what comics are featuring these cabins so i can go find oh, them look up them. uh uh hilda oh hilda. oh hilda yeah. luke pearson luke for yeah, sure you see a lot yep. of e-frames in hilda yeah oh yes totally do you yep. think it's that sort of scandinavian aesthetic maybe uh when you, when you go to tumble if you go on tumblr they, they call it a-frame porn they, oh my just god <gasps> how did i not know about this i'm so excited yeah, it, it was strange. Maybe it was. Uh, I mean, maybe I just didn't have my finger on that that uh, zeitgeist at the time. But well, it was, I clearly don't. Hilarious. But, yeah. I'm gonna go find <laughs> but I will now. Wait till you read my next book, A Frame Wishes. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Lord, listen, Callista, Ken, it's awesome yeah. to talk to you. I have enjoyed every minute of this. This has been wonderful. 
we talked about a million billion things. I especially loved getting into all these Easter eggs and knowing these sort of quirky, almost random things that end up being the thing that other people latch on to. I love that quality in storytelling that sometimes what comes out of you will surprise you the way that other people interact with it. I'm wondering before, before I wrap up, before I ask you the last question, I want to know just, is there anything we didn't touch on anything we didn't cover that you want to make sure people know? I do have one question that I've been dying to ask that I don't mean to sound so forward, but I, I wonder Calista, because you being the editor, if, if you got in this chance to have any say in the illustrator if you were part of that process, because I feel like Ken's art works beautifully with your text, but I wonder if that was something that you, that, that, that your, that your editor for the book helped decide, or if that was something that you were leading with. So she definitely, um, I, you know, I can't remember if, if, if I got like a, Hey, we're thinking about approaching Ken Pack. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about that? Or if they were just like, Hey, Ken Pack is doing your book. But either way, my <laughs> response <are> <laughs> was like falling over myself with excitement um, because Great. I've been a huge fan of Ken's for a long time. And it, it like, if they had asked me who my ideal choice was, I would have said him. Awesome. So it was oh, like a sweet. dream come true to find out that he was going to be working on this book. That's cool to know it. Well, thanks for answering that question of mine. Is, is there stuff that, that I, lost asking either of you that you want to make sure people know before, before we go. Not on my end. Okay. No, uh, you've been, you were fantastic. Yeah. I, I mean, we could keep just rambling on. It's, no, it's but, just so uh, fun though to see. Yeah. I don't know. It's, 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 you both were very generous sharing just where some of these random ideas come from. Sometimes it feels random and sometimes it doesn't, but it's just neat to know that, for any writer, I think about, again, I think of my children. I think of my, my six through 10 year olds at school that I'll see in a month and, and them writing and just knowing that part of good writing is just being awake and letting it all in to your ideation process, to your storytelling process, just letting it in. Cause yeah. you don't, you don't know if someone else is just going to think it's the best fitting a frame ever. <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, well, on that note, why don't I turn uh, to each of you to bring us back to those kids, bring us back to those readers. Um, Callista, I'll start with you. I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you? So I'm going to say this badly because, again, my brain doesn't work because tiny newborn child. Um, but I guess one of the things that I thought about a lot with this book is how how hard it is to find friends sometimes, but also how unexpectedly and sort of, um, uh, beautifully friends can just appear in, in, you know, when you, when you kind of least think you have a shot at, at finding them. And this is something when I was a kid that sort of haunted me because I was a pretty weird kid <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, eager to have friends and to make friends. And, and I often found that, um, it was sort of impossible to predict where those people might come from and uh, that I was very grateful for the people who did sort of appear in my life in the most unexpected places. That's a weird thing to try to explain to a six-year-old, but if you can find a way of translating that into more coherent terms, (laughs) 
There I it is. They'll get that. Thank you for it. Yeah. Kennard, same question. I see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you? Look around. Just like Cat. Cat is thinking and Cat's lonely and hungry, but um, he is looking. He he, he sees things. Um, uh, we, we live in chaotic times, right? Uh, but uh, one of my fears, just even personally, because uh, we do live busy life, we live busy lives in chaotic times. Uh, my, one of my fears is that I'm not looking around me. I mean, it might, sim- I mean, it might be as simple as making sure I don't trip. Uh, but also, you know, I, I'm afraid that we as people forget to see things. And um, I, I guess we could say things like beauty and, you know, flowers, and those are wonderful. But just this simple act of appreciating. Uh, the world that we can look at. So kids, look around. Don't forget to look around. This is Darshna Kiani, children's author and book blogger. Want to find out the latest South Asian books and children's literature? Check out www.flowering-minds.com forward slash South Asian Kidlet. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com forward slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individual's and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out with the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. Before we leave, shout out to my patrons, those folks who are supporting the podcast and helping keep the lights on care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Jenny, Sue, Amy, Kate, Darshna, Nicole, Jarrett, Mike, Link, Anitra, Lynn, Cynthia, Doug, Amanda, Ruth, Laura, Judy, Karina, Teresa, Elaine, and others who are coming with me on this journey. You are all welcome to join us. Just visit patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner and pick the support tier that's right for you. Teamwork makes the dream work, and each of you are helping to provide the tools necessary to make this podcast even greater. Thank you. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cosy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.